Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Kanye's back, baby. <laughs> There's a new <laughs> album out right now. Now, 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 now. We hope. So, fingers crossed we are getting, I think, the 10th studio album from Kanye. Friday. It's called Donda. I, I'm, I'm staking my reputation on this record being out. I think it will be out more or less on time. Yeah, I heard about the good news. I want them to actually finish songs. That'd be good this time, you know? Fully finished, written, and produced songs. It will be a start. It will be a step in the right direction for him. Donda is the record that will hopefully be out because we will, of course, review it next week if it is. Donda, baby, it's happening. <laughs> Greg, why don't you take us through a timeline, and more specifically yours? <laughs> She's scheduled to happen, the live event, at 8 Bells, um, American time. Yeah, it would have been 1am. Huh? I see you in the morning. And I was kind of like just making my way towards bed. I was like, oh, I'll try and find that stream, just have it on the background, and uh, it was actually quite calming in bed. Yeah, one of my last thoughts before I fell asleep was, this, this doesn't sound finished. <laughs> Shockingly. Woke up the next day, the album hadn't dropped, Dave. Yeah, you just can't get a proper date on that guy. There's a terrifying implication that Craig may have made a correct prediction. Donda, baby, it's happening! Ye's concept with Donda is an album that has materialised itself into existence without being officially released. So the theory is that Kanye West has made the first official unreleased album, which I think would actually mean that Craig and his refrain of Donda out now it's happening means Craig has been right all along. No one man should have all that power. Back next week, I'm presuming it won't be reviewing a Kanye West album, but you just never, ever know. Thunder, baby, it's happening. Attention, everyone. Yeah, you just can't get a proper date on that guy. Craig Young Kanye. I feel like you owe the listeners an apology. You know, I think this is the point where you have to climb down and just take your licking, take your wounds. I apologise for nothing. Donda, baby, it's happened! Donda, baby, it's happened! Donda.
Hello, my name is Dave Hanratty and there will be no encore. Welcome to the Donda Review, episode 292, I believe, of the No Encore Music Podcast. You heard an unbelievable trailer there, by the way, at the start of the show. I want to say thank you to our special guest sonic architect, David Tapley of Tandem Felix, who was here last week. He's here this week. He also produced the latest No Popcorn, which is out now. We are your friends in your podcast feed. Go get it. And yes, he messaged me on WhatsApp, not an hour before the show, two hours, whatever it was. And he was like, I've got like an audio thing for the episode. He sent it to me and I was genuinely speechless. That's our kind of summer saga blockbuster trailer. We have been talking quite a lot about the Kanye West record, Donda, which finally arrived on Sunday of this week. And I guess I should say at the very start, um, despite the incredibly jovial tone of that nature or that, that, that is present within that trailer, I think anyone who's been paying attention this week will know that things have taken a turn for the sour uh, for various reasons related to the Donda album rollout. And that will inform our discussion. We're going to review it. We're going to talk about it. There's no top five this week because we felt that we'd built this thing up so much that, you know, come hell or high water... <laughs> We wanted to talk about it, so we're going to have a new section, and then we're going to get to Donda. There'll be a timestamp, of course, in your episode, so if you want to jump ahead and hear what we think about the whole thing right now, you can do that. Um, but yeah, I should say, in typical No Encore fashion, last week, Craig Fitzpatrick, when we had a nice, jaunty Craig and Kanye section, um, and yeah. then jump forward to that 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 evening's, that you know American time, where it's sleeping in bed or whatever, and then Kanye West does some very problematic things that we will talk about. So he makes it difficult, doesn't he? He does. It's tough to be a Kanye fan or, you know, someone just existing in the world that is Kanye's. Um, that made me quite emotional listening to the epic saga that was the intro. Just like what um, passionate music fans slash clowns we are. Um more than a summer saga, right? I'm not sure if there was audio that went back to last year there. It's been a whole thing. This was an album that was going to be Jesus is King Part 2 in God's Country. A whole bunch of stuff. Um, and we've been talking and talking about it. It has happened. Um, still processing how I feel about the whole thing. I guess we'll be probably working through some stuff in the review. Like it'll be very much a kind of real-time review, even though I have more kind of notes than I'll ever get to. So yeah, this is one I was like looking forward to, but also a bit like apprehensive about because I know people are tuning in and it's it's been a big, it's obviously biggest release of the year. You know, we got to be on our best game. How are you feeling, Dave? Um, frazzled, I think, is probably the best yeah. way of putting it. Um, I guess, yeah, <laughs> I went back and I listened to our previous reviews of Kanye Records, yay, when that came out in 2018. And you weren't present for that one, Craig, but you did send in some audio at the time. And I listened to our review of Jesus is King, which came out in late 2019. And they're both, if I may say so myself, and please go back and listen to those if you haven't. It's before we started putting just like what's on the episode in the title. So I think it's yay day. And I think it's King Without a Crown are the two episodes. Mm. They're a hundred and something. Yeah, not bad. I mean, like, you know, something's got to go. I, the titling thing was fun, but um, much like a Kanye West album, this show is an ever-evolving thing. Uh, yeah, I feel very spent, I think, as the week had gone on, talking or like getting ready to talk about this. I've gone from being excited to feeling for sure apprehensive. There's a lot of stuff to kind of get into, which we will do. Maybe we should hold it off until the main review. Let's just yeah, kind of maybe. proceed with the oh, show. Oh, can I actually, now. Dave, before we get into other business, um, can we make this a tribute show to my sister, Marta Fitzpatrick, who actually of asked course, yeah. for a shout out? 
still, you know, land of the living. She's just um, going to the land of the Catalans. She's moving to Barcelona tomorrow. She'll oh be listening to this episode in the air. And um, like, I was kind of like, you're mentioned most weeks anyway, and you've never kind of expressed any interest in being mentioned on a show, coming on the show. She wanted a shout out. So yeah, as she listens, as she sails through the air, when she should be on airplane mode, relaxing. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Martha, um, who I, sh- I should say is kind of very like not totally entangled in social media or, you know, the music stuff too much. But when the Kanye album dropped on Sunday and I let her know she was listening to it and she was like, I'm alive. So happy. Yay came true when I needed it most. as She was like stressing about the trip. And so it's still working for some people. Dave, we'll see how it worked for us. But yeah. Wow, I okay. <laughs> Not here to defend yourself in case the hairband has changed uh, as the week progressed. Uh, yeah, as always, hello to Martha. Martha's an incredibly cool person. I wish her well on her journey. I did not know that she was moving away, but that's incredible news. Uh, best of luck. And yeah, obviously, welcome on the show did anytime. You not? No, you never told me. You don't tell me nothing. Can't tell Just me. Just three months. Should be back. Should be back okay. for Christmas. But we can have drinks. Yeah, well, I mean, like, we, we, we'll give her another shout-out at some point. I, I feel like I should have prepared something, but I had no idea. But no, Martha's the best of us. She knows that. We all know that. She's incredible. And best of luck to her. Um, I should note as well, speaking of the best of us, um, like I say, Sonic Architect Tapley is here, and we adore him. But, you know, yes. divine, handsome beast that is, Sonic Architect Adam, did drop a new episode of Before the Encore, on Monday, on this feed, an interview with Theodora Byrne. It's a great, great episode. Go check it out. And uh, I guess before we go, not that I want to kind of stall this, but I, I I, think I needed to throw this into the preamble. You had a tweet during the week in which you said, don't read this scary Reddit thread about the most disturbing things of all time before you go to bed. I believe you did that. Can you give us any kind of approximation of this, where your head was at, and also share with us a few disturbing things maybe? Or is it too hot for the podcast? Do you want some disturbing stuff? I mean, th- I feel like this is a common th- thing that people do, right? Just read horrific stuff before bed, just before they drop off. Oh, or, yeah, of you course. know, in lieu of Kanye having another listening party. Do you know what I mean? You need to absolutely frighten the life out of yourselves. I've got the tread here. I don't know if I really want to... It, like, it's just a lot of your standard issue. War, famine, pestilence. Um, You don't want to die from cyanide. Um... So, yeah, avoid that if possible. Like stuff like during World War II, Japan bombed China with fleas infected with the bubonic plague. That was pretty bad. Sarin gas. I won't go into the details, but maybe read up on that. It's pretty bad. So um, basically, this is like that. Um, this is like that Wikipedia page of list of unusual deaths that I sometimes read over, and they have like all yeah, these reports. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Of just like pe- bizarre. Pe- pelicans are pricks. Okay, um, I, we pelicans. knew that anyway. I will yeah. say, by the way, sorry, on the on the list of unusual deaths, the one that I always remember is that, like, apparently some guy was, like, making something explosive in his basement or something, and he was chewing gum, and he accidentally dropped the gum in, inside, like, the whatever materials he was using, put it back in his mouth, chewed it, and blew his and fucking pff- jaw. Yeah, not yeah, good, I remember man. that one. Not good. Um, a lot of people listen. dying from laughing as well in those lists. Back oh, wow. in medieval times, it was all, like, the bubonic the plague and laughter. Well, I mean, something's going to get you. Uh, and you can get us on patreon.com slash noencore if you want to help support the show. Uh, we would ordinarily be recording a new no ox cord this weekend, but uh, Craig's very busy, so and so am I. But uh, it's coming. It is coming. We will be recording a new no ox cord very, very, very soon. And that's how I'm going, apparently. 
<laughs> it's coming very soon. Uh, brand new episode of No Oxford coming very soon. But in the meantime, we do appreciate your support. This is, of course, a fiercely independent podcast. If you like what we do, and if you're sticking with us for the Kanye review, and you appreciate all the extra shows that have gone out even this week alone, um, honestly, a fiver or whatever you can afford goes an awful long way. There's no obligation to do so. It's nice just to have your ears. But if you want to go the little extra mile, you can do so at patreon.com slash noencore. And now David Tapley will cue in the news. <laughs> Hey, you heard about the good news? And it was bad news (laughs) for a certain individual for the last time, I hope. Certainly this year, maybe in the show's history. Maybe ever. Maybe ever. For the final time, can we have one more hit from the bong? That's correct. Electric Picnic is finally, officially, definitely, 200% not happening. They have cancelled it from their side. The saga is over. We can all move on. I never want to talk about it ever again. It'll be Melvin back next ben year, though. will never move on. He'll no, be back. of course back. not. Of course not. He's already talking about Reading and Leeds over on the NME today, so, you know, it's just never going to end. Fair play to him. Fair play to all involved. They gave it a right good go. It's over. See you in Strad Valley next year. I presume we're banned. We did, we, we did a live show there before. It actually went really well. And now, I can't imagine if they've got wind of this at all. We're never, ever being invited back. Why don't you tell us about ABBA instead, Craig? They've just yeah. announced news in the last few minutes. Yeah, and I didn't update the running order with the news. But um, <laughs> I you have know it what? There's every, there's every chance that ABBA could be playing Electric Picnic next year. But in, like, hologram form. So, yeah, I do actually have the story. And it's kind of what we expected. Um... They're back with their first studio album since 1982, I think. Um, it's been 40 years since they were together. Um, seemed like they would never reform. So we're getting new material, but we're also getting, uh, and the album will be released November 5th, it's um, Voyage. Uh, it's the follow-up to The Visitors, which was 1984, actually. Um, but also we're getting this very high-tech um, sort of live return where the group will perform as holograms. It's made by George Lucas's special effects company uh, using motion capture. And it's essentially like Scandi Pop Goes Tron, Dave. What do you think of it? It sounds like if, if ABBA were coming back in 2021, this is exactly what I think they would be doing. Remember, remember the 5th of November. But it is what they were doing. <laughs> the voyage will happen. Um <laughs> I guess we're going to review it, I suppose. Um, uh, of course, people love ABBA. There's, you know, they're unironically adored across the world. Uh, I have no interest in this whatsoever, but I'll listen to the album and we'll review it. That's my plan. What about you? Yeah, I'll listen to the album. Um, I'm sure they probably st- have still got us. They're all in their mid-70s at this point. Um, the show thing, though, no. I think, you know, the hologram thing. Saw the Tupac thing. On YouTube, I wasn't at Coachella, but it just looked creeping, creepy and haunting. I suppose they're still with us, so it's it's maybe fine in that regard. But no, I'm, I'm out, I think. Um, in other news, sad news again. It's quite a heavy show so far. Lee Scratch Perry passed away. Um, so I guess we'll get that hologram tour five years from now. He was 85, pioneering reggae artist, uh, dub, of course jamaican icon um it was a statement from the jamaican prime minister andrew holness um he said perry was a pioneer in the 1970s development of dub music with his early adoption of studio effects to create new instrumentals of existing reggae tracks he's worked with and produced for various artists 
Yes, it says artists, including Bob Marley and the Wailers, the Congos, Adrian Sherwood, the Beastie Boys, many others. Undoubtedly, Lee Scratch Perry will always be remembered for his sterling contribution to the music fraternity. May his soul rest in peace. And yeah, that kind of underplays it. If anything, just a hugely influential figure. Um, and his Black Art Studios was, you know, huge, mythical, um, amazing character as well. I always kind of got secondhand um, Lee Scratch Perry. Like I never really dug deep, but it was hearing his name first when you'd get into The Clash as a teenager and, you know, they'd cover Police and Thieves. Um, he produced their stuff, Complete Control, and it was just so many different acts there, you know, Clash to Beasties, just being hugely influenced by his kind of monumental take on dub. And yeah, he's a huge character. He's just a, a really big loss in that kind of respect. There's a good quote from Keith Richards from... Uh, about a decade ago, but he said, you could never put your finger on Lee Perry. He's the Salvador Dali of the music. He's a mystery. The world is his instrument. So yeah, it's pretty, pretty pithy quote there. Good one from Keith Richards, who is kind of of the same bent. And yeah, another, another one shuffles off this mortal coil. Yeah. He kind of existed in like almost exclusively for me in like the pages of magazines. I, I feel like yeah, he was just, yeah. there was always photographs of him in like key magazine every month or like whatever it was that you were checking out. Because as you say, an iconic character, an amazing look. He just seemed to always be like photographed in record stores doing something behind some musical item, you know, like it just seemed like he was an incredible polymath, uh, obviously credited with uh, being a huge influence on the world. I'm, I, I can't. I'm not going to sit here and pretend I have listened to a lot of Lee Scratch Perry because I haven't, but he was just one of those osmosis figures, I think, in the world of music that just like existed constantly. And yeah, I mean, like it's it's been a it's been a rough couple of weeks in terms of kind of major, major stars, major influential stars uh, passing away and just like tributes pouring in constantly. The one thing you can say when these things happen is the tributes tend to just tell their own incredible stories and can only really happen when somebody has lived a rich, full life, as it appeared to be the case with him. So, for sure, rest in peace. Uh, Craig did me the solid this week of putting together the new section. Do you have anything cheery for us this week, Craig? Or is yeah, it well, misery? the good news is that Jonathan Richmond, uh, formerly of the Modern Lovers and just being Jonathan Richmond, is still very much with us. And um, there's actually two of them wandering around. This is kind of like the low-rent version of a hologram. There's Imposter Dave. Um, there was this festival in Olympia, Washington called the Love Only Summer Fest and they were scammed. Uh, oh, it's, it's taking a turn again. They were scammed by a person pretending to be lovable singer-songwriter Jonathan Richmond. Um, the event was last Saturday night. Um, the organisers, he was booked to headline this festival. Um, they discovered it was a scam. It was uncovered when local DJ Mark Markley Morrison um, was contacted by Richmond's publicist um, to basically organise an interview with the artist at the festival. Uh, when receiving the request, neither of them knew anything about the singer's supposed booking at the festival. And yeah, it was obviously then cancelled. Um, the festival is booked by uh, the Olympia Film Society, who says that they were contacted on the phone by someone purporting to be Richmond, asking to be booked for the festival. It's such a weird person to pick right I guess you just <laughs> you start from the place of I'm extremely like Jonathan Richmond and how can I make money out of this but it's such a coming together of having that look and disposition and then also being a scam artist we went on to say yeah we were all very confused over the email when we discovered it was a scam we were shocked we've been booking bands for over 30 years and this is the first 
In a statement, Richmond added, I just heard of your wonderful festival and it sounds like an ideal place for me to play someday. The guy who called you up managed to imitate my voice pretty good. If he did, you've got to hand it to him. Most people can't do it. So, lovable <laughs> Jonathan Richmond there making it all quite like twee and zany and funny. But they haven't caught the guy. He's still in the loose. Um, I don't know. It's such a strange one. Still on the loose, you say. The talented Mr. Richmond. This is very entertaining. Um, I think... It, it, it raises questions, though, doesn't it, about the um, security and the screening process that you have when someone like is booked for a festival, especially if it's done via old-school telephone. I mean, I guess when they say it's never happened in 30 years, it must just be that this just doesn't happen. People just don't generally kind of attempt such a scam. But it sounds pretty sophisticated, Craig. And I agree with you, yeah, though. It's like, <laughs> surely you'd go for like a much more well-known star. But maybe, maybe that therein lies the genius. Maybe it's like, pick a mid-tier indie god. No one's going to check it out, you know? I know, but like from a phone call, and they make him the headliner. Um, I, I haven't been, seen the rest must of been the very, bill. Very, 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 very charming. Also, I like Jonathan Richmond saying, "Like your festival sounds lovely. I'd be happy to play it." Booking himself into a gig—that's that's good stuff. <laughs> yeah, hey, listen, it's been you know COVID times. Um, got to admire the hustle. I'm now wondering if the rest of the bill, like if it went ahead, if they are still unawares that all of the rest of the bill was just people pretending to be other acts and they were none the wiser. I'll have to look yeah, into man, that. That could be pretty cool. Doppelfest. Um, I believe you have another festival related story and I we're can not see doing the headline. It, we're not doing it. No? It's getting too well, dark. Go on, read, well, the, head- read the headline. Well, the, the headline made me do a double take. It says here, Tiesto fans ashes fired from Cream Fields Cannon, which of course, you know, the, the, the sentence alone sounds over the top and comical and ostentatious, but obviously there's a tragedy involved here as well. Um, I will say that no matter who it is, I think this is actually a very cool gesture. It sounds like kind of a, like if someone's wishes are, if someone, I believe the person in question here died young. If somebody wants their last will and testament to have their ashes fired out at a Tiesto gig at Creamfields, I mean, like it's inventive, right? I mean, like, like fair play. It is. It was, it was Stuart Mitchell. He was only 30 years old, uh, huge EDM fan and huge Tiesto fan. So he'd passed away and his family had sent a small packet of his ashes to, um, ticket buyers it's the people who took um tickets that he'd he'd had previously uh for Creamfields. they agreed to like scatter them at the festival in his stead which is like a lovely gesture um there was a letter from his mother just said i would be most grateful if you were able to scatter them somewhere at Creamfields, so that he truly went there one last time uh the buyers a pair of cousins uh ryan and lee millen then reportedly reached out to the festival's organizers in the hopes that they could get a picture of the ashes on the main stage but Ryan told the BBC that he was absolutely bowled over when the organisers suggested they put the ashes into a confetti cannon that Tiesto would use to close out the festival. The Millen cousin, cousins also printed banners with a picture of Stuart and his three-year-old son um, that read, this last dance is for you, mate. So, yeah, he was, you know, this was kind of exactly what he would would wanted. Um yeah, Like a dashio for strings was played at his funeral and it is, it is lovely. I can't imagine it's how you'd like to go, Dave, scattered across a festival fields, but I hear magical well, things about Creamfields. In fairness, it would be kind of appropriate, given my festival lament for all this time. Uh, Tiesta's version of Adagio for strings, not going to lie to you, mate, bit of a banger. It's absolutely ridiculous it's and stupid, but, it, but it'll get your blood pumping. Um, yeah, I, we, we can't be snobbish about this kind of stuff, nor are we trying to be. I think ultimately this kind of thing isn't even a million miles away from... 
that Coldplay tribute to Viola Beach at Glastonbury that time, which I still think is one of the most moving and touching and affecting things I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, these these moments in life when someone becomes larger than life in a posthumous way, uh, it, there's there's something bigger than you know just like like bigger than the world, bigger than the the individual person at the heart of it happening there. There's a certain kind of magic. There's a tragic magic to it. But um, yeah, honestly, I've never heard anything like this before, and I think it's genuinely a very cool thing to do. And I'm glad that everyone fucking did it. Like, it sounds like an incredible thing for for someone to agree with. It's it it's it is bizarre, of course it is. The headline alone will just make you raise your eyebrows. But like, yeah, I mean, talk about leaving your mark. Um, but listen, yeah, in fairness, no, no, go on. No, I was going to say it sounds tastefully done. Um, exactly, yeah, here, like I as think, it possibly yeah, could be. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I'm and I'm sure that there is there's probably some fucking Probably some other podcast out there, Parallel Universe, Dave and Craig laughing at this kind of thing, but no, instead we say fair play, carry on playing Tiesto, Um, but I will say, yes, it has been a bit of a morbid news section. I don't suppose you've got a story about like a, a like a, a giant marble penis or anything, do you? Well, yeah. Speaking of larger than life and tasteful, Ed Sheeran gave Elton John a giant marble penis for his birthday. Unbelievable! What are the odds? <laughs> Uh, we need we, we've been talking about Ed Sheeran lately and just some of his friendship decisions he's turning into the Jared Leto of bland oh, Tesco pop music what's going on um, yeah there's a few Elton John stories I was hoping we could maybe pull together some kind of like crocodile corner maybe and have some tune maybe in future episodes I don't know we'll, we'll figure that out but he was speaking um, Elton was speaking on hit 109.9's Kerry and Tommy show um, he was talking about how he's actually been a, f- a proper friend of Sheeran's for years. He managed him, which I totally forgotten about back in the early stages of his career. So, uh, cheers, Elton. And <laughs> yeah, for his 74th birthday in March, uh, the Bad Habits hitmaker gifted him the phallic statue. <laughs> to quote Elton, for my birthday this year, he gave me a giant marble penis. I don't know if that's because I've always been a prick or not. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Asked by... Kerry or Tommy, I'm not sure who, where he keeps it. <laughs> John replied, I suggested to David, David Furnish's husband, that I should put it in the garden. And he said, no, we have children. <laughs> 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 Which is, you know, good parenting by David Furnish. Excellent. I'm glad, yeah. Good cop, bad cop. Um, <laughs> So now the statue is hidden in an area in the house where the pair's two young hidden. Ch- children won't see it. I don't know. It says a lot about what that gaff is like, right? hiding a giant marble penis. Some kind of lost treasure that will be unearthed in like 400 years time by whatever, whatever extraterrestrial beings are roaming the earth, Greg. But it's a beautifully made penis. Uh, I'm still quoting Elton here. I haven't seen it. There's no pictures included. That's a drop right what can there, I tell let you? tell you. <laughs> What do you buy the man who is everything? A beautiful marble penis. This marble statue isn't the first time an artist has bought John a penis-related gift. This article helpfully continues. In 2017, the tiny dancer singer shared that Eminem gave him a pair of diamond-encrusted cock rings in celebration of his civil partnership. Um, their friendship, you know, famously or infamously struck up after Eminem... <laughs> Dave is waving at me on the Zoom call. I'm not waving at you. I'm it's waving Zara at Zara Hederman, Hederman is in the background of David Daphne's screen. <laughs> She's literally staring at the screen what and a waving moment. with a giant smile Hi, on her face. I don't, I, I don't think she can hear what we're talking about, which is going to make this thing all the funnier. But uh, please continue, Craig. You've been maintaining your composure very, very well up till now. 
Eminem cock ring, something like, like along those lines, I believe we were. Uh, do you need a minute? Was it the MTV Awards back in the day? You're turning us. You're, you're turning they us came into on the stage. Fucking, you're turning us into like a wacky breakfast radio show over here. This is not what people have come to the show for. Come on, get through it. All right, let's move it on to John recalling speaking to Sharon about his fashion sense. And okay, let's abandon that bit. But yeah, suffice to say that Elton John is in the news a lot. Uh, he's retiring, isn't he, from the live circuit? But he's still popping yes. up, and he still keeps the current. Like all joking aside. Um, he seems to be an absolutely huge music fan. He tries to keep in contact with, you know, the pop world, what's going on. He's being referenced on a BTS track uh, in another story where he says, that blows my mind, uh, that they would do something like that. I love the old music, but new music, when you hear something great by someone new, you just think, God, I wish I could have done something like that when I was that young. So yeah, big enough BTS uh, for mentioning them. Um, shouting out Dua Lipa as well said he just really liked collaborating uh, collaborating with her and into his 75th year and still doing it yeah I mean Elton John good <laughs> at music that's my end for the story <laughs> Elton John good at music what a shocker uh, yeah look he's got some great songs he's down with the kids for a play to him and despite what Sarah Hedeman and David Tapley think Rocketman is a very good film I wouldn't say very good it's good it's good it's better than Bohemian Rhapsody don't know what they're on about Anyway, nonetheless, um, you mentioned Dua Lipa there. Uh, she was one of the many people who disowned the baby, as I'm going to call him, because uh, of course we'll, we'll get to him. Drop. We'll get to yeah. him. Uh, I guess before we get to Don the review, he is one of the players and performers associated with it. Uh, is he doing anything okay or acceptable this week, Craig? For once, so obviously the fallout um, continues from him appearing on stage and um, saying very you know, offensive things about people living with HIV, which is, you know, what caused the controversy with him appearing with Kanye and Marilyn Manson and being on the album. And we will discuss all of that. But the latest news, which I just saw today in, was that the baby has met with black leaders from nine HIV groups in the US to discuss his inaccurate comments uh, that he made about the virus at a festival in July. He's lost sponsorship deals since he was removed from Dua Lipa's, yeah, as you say, um, top 10 hit, levitating um, after his claims. And so I guess we're into damage limitation, but I'm also one of the people that's like, okay, if he's making the right steps, I mean, that's kind of what we're asking from people, you know, rehabilitation and just kind of keeping them in the conversation. Uh, He'd first claimed his words were taken out of context, um, which kind of made the whole thing seem preposterous. And then making further comments online, he apologized. So he has now met with representatives in this virtual meeting. They have said that he apologized for the inaccurate and hurtful comments he made about people living with HIV. This is according to uh, the US LGBTQ organization GLAD. Um, And in a very kind of level-headed statement, they said our goal was to call him in instead of calling him out. We believe that if he connected with black leaders living with HIV, that a space for community building and healing could be created. We are encouraged he swiftly answer our call and join us in a meaningful dialogue and a thoughtful educational meeting. Glad says DeBaby was genuinely engaged with the conversation and listened to personal stories about HIV with deep respect. So that is a start, I guess, right? And Yeah, no, you know, it is. I mean, you know, once again, should be noted, his comments were absolutely horrific. And, horrific, yeah. I, you know, there's no getting around that. But I'm all about rehabilitation. I'm all about conversation. And one man who has, without question kept himself in the conversation and may very well be in need of rehabilitation, uh, at least in terms of how his public image is concerned and some of the choices he's been making, is Kanye West. 
We are now going to move to the Donda review. It is his 10th studio album. Um, we have a smattering of clips. I don't know how many we're going to play. But Craig, you want to start with Hurricane, do you? Is that the one you want to go with? Or does that make sense? Yeah, I just it felt to me like um, some of the other clips we might get to are kind of dealing with specific points and, you know, maybe contentious points. Hurricane to me sounded as well just like one that, if any of them did, sounded like it might get some... I mean, radio play probably on New York hip hop radio, but you've got the weekend. It's kind of beautiful. Let's just roll into it with that, I guess, and take it from there. See this in 3D. All lights out for me. All lights out for me. Lightning strikes the beach. 80 degrees. Warm it up for me. So yeah, I guess like in lieu of the standard primer, although Craig, if you have one for Kanye or for the album itself, by all means, um, I guess I'll just say as a quick disclaimer, um, and I have been struggling quite a lot this week with regards to the idea of how people are engaging with his album from a critical point of view. We'll get to that. Um, I will just say that I understand and I completely respect that a lot of people are done and have been done with Kanye for some time, but... Uh, some specific choices he's made on this one to work with Marilyn Manson, the aforementioned DaBaby and Chris Brown um, and platform abusers and accused abusers in this way has, of course, left a sour taste. Um, Mm. I'm right there with you. Uh, And I will say that if anybody, you know, who is still listening for whatever reason, um, is disappointed with us for dedicating an episode to this and continuing to cover it and wanting to wade into it and look at it from a critical point of view and also a contextual point of view, uh, I completely understand that, and if we've let you down in any way, I, I can only apologise, but we, we are journalists, we are music journalists, uh, Kanye West is a long-term kind of supporting character on, on No Encore, it would have felt genuinely bizarre to write it off entirely, I've got reservations, I'm sure Craig does as well, yeah. I've also got reservations about, you know, I've seen I've seen some people in the music press this week, I mean, I saw one, at least one journalist be like, I'm ashamed to be a music journalist, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I, I'm sorry, but I can't help but find that a bit ridiculous, even though I completely understand if if you have a visceral reaction to some of the people involved in this one and Kanye's decision to work with them. Absolutely. You know, you're well within your rights. Um, I, I want journalists to engage with this thing critically, engage with problematic art critically, but I also appreciate that it is complex and I do think, and I'll say it at the top of this, I wish Kanye did not work with Marilyn Manson and DaBaby and Chris Brown on this record. I did listen to it repeatedly throughout the week. I, I wish he would find a, a better way of making the points that he's trying to make and be the provocateur that he's trying to be. Uh, I, you know, I think ultimately, it's funny because like, it's not funny, but like it's coincidental because like mm. literally last Thursday before we recorded, I did like a... Um, panel thing uh for 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 a limerick radio station and it was like one of the questions we got in at the end of the, it, was, it was about criticism and one of the things we got one of the questions we got in at the end was and i can't remember if marlon manson was named directly i think he was and it was like how do you you know separate the art from the artist conversation and it was kind of as we were wrapping up and i was saying that well that's a whole other panel all by itself and it's a whole podcast episode all by itself um and i did say that like you know when it comes to Marilyn Manson, who I grew up being a huge fan of, um, he's he is, of course, accused of multiple crimes, multiple horrendous sexual assault-related crimes. Um, I 
I do believe, unfortunately, that he's that he probably is guilty. You know, I do believe that. Um, I don't know that, but I do believe that. Um, and I have stopped listening to his music. I didn't sit down and make a conscious decision. It just simply didn't feel right anymore. So previously to all this, if this is even fair to still say, the idea of Marilyn Manson being on a Kanye West album would have been like one of the great. I'd be like, oh my god, really? Like the I can't the, like all my dreams are coming true. So for him to pop up now and the way that Kanye is doing it is just. I, I think it's a. I, I really think it's a stupid thing to do. I think I, I think it's a wrong decision. Kanye loves to rattle cages. I wish he didn't do it this way. I'm not being apologetic on behalf of him or for him or even for myself, because I have listened to the song that he's on. I've listened to it quite a lot, and I think that that's because I'm being selfish. And I think with Kanye, it's hard not to be selfish. So there's all kinds of stuff to get into. Yeah. Not, I, I guess I will say in closing, I'm not putting this out there as like some big like oh mea culpa you know I'm, I'm I'm so fucking whatever but like it has been a genuinely conflicting experience and like I say he I think he's crossed a line here and it's very disappointing and yet I'm still here so if you got a problem with that I totally understand yeah I think I agree with you I feel like it would have been a bit of a cop-out on our part not to uh get into this album because of you know, the epic opening we all heard at the top of this show, people are expecting it. It is our kind of role as music critics and kind of documenters. This is the biggest album in the world right now. He is, quote unquote, patron saint of the show. And I guess it's probably good to come from a point of view of like us talking about our experiences, just kind of working through listening to the album. I will say, um, I yeah, I'm... I was very upset, of course, that Marilyn Manson was involved. Um, you know, we had, we're, we're discussing the listening parties and, oh man, those clips of me giggling away in the innocent, wide-eyed, you know, early mornings waiting for the Atlanta shows and reopened with gospel and I was worried that it was going to be again watered down like <laughs> Sunday Sessions albums coming. Um, then the second one where it just seemed like things were crystallizing and we we're going to get proper record and Kanye literally getting raptured and then that third one man at that point I was kind of tired of the shenanigans I did not really pay attention to that evening's events um obviously over the course of that night um things took a kind of darker turn I woke up on that Friday morning and it was one of those Friday mornings where you know it's going to be a long Friday and there's like Looming clouds, it was a foggy morning, there was stuff going on at work, I just was not feeling the best to begin with, and I looked at my phone and I saw um, the images of Kanye's recreation of his childhood home, uh, as he's flanked by Marilyn Manson and the baby, and my heart sank, my stomach dropped, and I just thought, why is this happening? Why is this such a hellish dimension that, of course, one of the kind of worst provocative things he could be doing of course he's doing this and i'm going to be honest completely throughout this uh you know section um it prodded at my soul and immediately i was thinking at it from selfish reasons of being like god damn it kanye i'm a kanye fan and um i want to enjoy this without complications um and i don't want to this to become the focus then of course later my thoughts turned to you know the wider implications and yeah, it just hasn't sat right with me. It's something that kind of lingers in the back of my head. Um, but I will say, when I finally jo- dropped on that Sunday, 
and slightly removed from the context of social media stuff because I just was not looking for it and I was not going to it. When I finally got to listening to it, um, the record, which we'll you will start talking about the music now in a couple of minutes, there was aspects of it that felt kind of hugely restorative. There were pleasant surprises and yeah, no, Dave, I agree with you. Like this, this is obviously, you know, the stuff related to Manson in particular and um, yeah, I guess the baby as well, kind of because we didn't know the latest latest reports of him looking for something approaching retribution. But yeah, I mean, the Manson stuff, this is a monumental problem. It's a societal thing. It's bigger than music criticism. It's bigger than entertainment. Um, if people wanted to wash their hands of Kanye and the whole kind of sideshow of that, completely understandable. Um but then, you know, the music criticism becomes tangled up in, I can't in good conscience give this album any stars. You're but quoting, quoting Rashid O'Connor from the UK okay, Independent. From there. the UK Independent, yeah. But it becomes a thing of like, I will chat about the music and then take <clears throat> kind of critical pot shots at stuff that's just kind of veiled as, well, I don't want to like this to begin with. And it becomes this horrible mess, really, of outrage which is ironically what Kanye is looking for and it's just a bit of a nightmare to untangle isn't it yeah no I think a good mess knowledge is... of a job as we're doing at the moment but yeah oh yeah I, I don't know if we are I mean like 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 because it is such a mess it is such a nightmare it is tangled up and I mean like I, I've gone I've had like and, and like Roshan O'Connor's piece in the UK Independent for anyone who didn't see it she gave it no stars um and said what Craig said there I can't all good conscience and she's right to say it of course and like again she's right to feel that way if she wants to she's a good critic I've read her stuff before um yeah but is. like at the same time you know is it a review is it a think piece does that matter I certainly have gone I've run the gamut on this one I think over the last uh, five days because it dropped on Sunday afternoon it is by the way for anyone who somehow does not know an hour and 48 minutes long which I mean tells its own story but like and I've listened to it somehow in that forum about seven times maybe eight times I've made time for it I've even done an abridged playlist version of my own with the highlights because there are highlights I want to say as well there are songs in this album that made me fucking cry and I think that's why it's doubly upsetting when you involve the aforementioned and the way that he has, because he doesn't need to fucking do it. And it's shocking in a way, because this is a guy who rebelled against homophobia in rap music, and then he has DaBaby with him. This is a guy who I would like to think, and don't get me wrong, there have been, I guess, increasingly, unfortunately, valid claims. Like, someone, I won't name them, but just in case, but like someone said to me, like, you know, the other day, like, he's a fucking misogynist. And I was like, is he though? And I'm like, well, fuck, I mean, like, it's very hard to say he isn't. If you have Marilyn Manson on your record on a, a hook where he's saying, you know, guess he's going to jail tonight, God going to pay my bail tonight. And it's like, again, if you could somehow divorce this from context, and you can't, but if you could, I mean, like, and, and, and this isn't even a, I'm worried about saying this, but I'll say it. Marilyn Manson sounds amazing on that song. The baby sounds great on that song. Like well, sonically, is, they sound great on the song. But they, but like they shouldn't yeah. be on the. This is a new song. kind of situation, Dave. Right? Because obviously, you know, where there's been quote unquote problematic artists before that we haven't like you know reviewed their albums or that we've kind of stopped listening to. It's usually due to their personal lives and something they have done. We're in this weird situation where Kanye West, I think is trying to create his quote-unquote high art and challenge people and be provocative and doing it in a, you know, dunderheaded way. Um, and, you know, there's... So there's a small part of me saying... Uh, that wants to kind of get, like, all 
Wildian and be like, you know, there's no such thing as a moral or immoral book. There's just, you know, it's either well written or it's badly written. Our small part of me wants to kind of do an art, a dispassionate kind of arts criticism of like, okay, was he trying to do a kind of, you know, warped recreation of, you know, Jesus on the cross between two sinners through this celebrity obsessed kind of narcissism age and for sure you can kind of try and shoehorn that in and try and make sense of it um and the small part of me is like 10 percent, but the other 90 percent is like i was just left kind of shook by it and wish wishing that we were just talking about the music because it just makes me feel kind of prickly and uncomfortable to be honest yeah no it's same for me and i don't want to belabor the point too much but i also simply don't want to skip by it um because it shouldn't be and I've, like i said when i say i've run the gauntlet i mean like I say, I, I, I wanted to, I was being selfish. I, I have been selfish with this album. I wanted to have my cake and eat it too. I wanted to listen to that song. I think you used the phrase without complications earlier on. But yeah, for sure, as the days have worn on, I don't, like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I can. Um, I, I, And like the fact that I did, well, again, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm not a perfect person. Um, You know, it's just like, there was an attraction there based on my previous love of the music stylings of this particular musician who I don't listen to anymore. And it was almost like forbidden fruit or something. And again, that taps into the whole Kanye thing, as you say, where, and again, I was having this conversation with that same person where they were saying that like, he's just being, he's just being a provocative asshole. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, he is. But I think that he does think that he's making art with that. I think he does think he's making an artistic statement as well. He must know yeah. what he's doing. You know, we've like, we can't defend ignorance to that level because I don't think it is ignorant it's also so unnecessary and again like I found myself kind of just seeing these little kind of individual turf battles they were kind of developing on Twitter especially on the Sunday when the record came out Uh, I saw Dean Van Nguyen like you know dismiss it after one listen I I can't even imagine he had the time to finish it but he was like it's sterile and joyless and I was like you've had that take saved up and look we love Dean we respect him but I was like, you've had that take saved up. That sucks. Please entitled to, to feel how he feels about it. But it did feel like this uh, yeah. of preload stuff. I'm sorry. One of the things I will say is that, like, you know, I saw <clears> someone <throat> who I follow who put up a tweet saying, like, very, like, again, these kind of smug, like, uh, like very just, like, fast-paced kind of spring-loaded things, like, um, oh, lads, he's not embarrassed, you know, to be supporting Kanye West. Wouldn't be me. And I happen to know that, that person in particular, sound as they appeared to be, still listens to Brand New. I've seen other people say, like, this is his Chinese democracy. And I'm like, again... Like, oh, like this this is be here now but with abusers and I'm like I don't know if that sounds as clever as you thought it did in your head pal but it's just that thing of at the same time as the, as the week has worn on I found myself being like I don't know if my usual you know defend music criticism at all costs applies here I think he may have muddied the waters just a little bit too much for me we are going to talk about the music we are going to review the album because I don't want to be that boring guy who's like I, I, I'm like leave me I've spent the week I've spent the week getting annoyed at people who I've perceived to be performatively ha- wringing their hands but the more I examine it the more I'm like no actually fuck I think he has unfortunately written really himself tough. into such a bad corner that it's just so difficult to shine the light on this time in, like in any kind of positive way and again there's positive stuff on here but yeah yeah go. we'll get to it no i was just going to say you know when you when you do start to get into the realms of and my my take on this would always be unless you're being vocally supportive of a, an artist's personal life that is toxic and it's you know dangerous and it's not a good thing to be taking pot shots at fan bases for just because they happen to like the work of someone that is a less than perfect person is just it's the wrong way to go about these conversations certainly the wrong way to go about these conversations is you know using some kind of moral high ground to then be like well this this you know music was trash anyway it's such and such it just kind of 
it to me trivializes the wider issue and it's just again muddies the waters yeah and it's reductive as fuck and again i'm aware that like this is dangerous territory and i don't mean to sound so combative or maybe i do but i mean i'm just so weary of seeing these things pop up on where else twitter where it's like ah look you know ladies if you see a copy of american psycho or a copy of fight club on his desk that's a red flag run a mile and i'm like well look, i like i i really like that book and i really like that film um when i was younger i certainly read them as like teenage rebellion i didn't even get them fully i think it's possible to enjoy that art and not buy into unfortunately a fucking neanderthal toxic fan base that did spring up around it i just think this thing of like prescribing hard and fast moral judgments to people based on their personal tastes unless of course it's very obviously screaming in your face of course yeah if you walk in someone's room and they've got a fucking nazi swastika on the wall do run a mile that's not a good thing but i think that there are levels of complex nuance involved and look again hypocritical because like if someone tells me the wolf of wall street is their favorite film i'm probably like oh i bet you're a fucking cokehead salesperson you know like who's just like horribly superficial but i'm sure there's someone out there who loves that film that is actually incredibly kind and enlightened i just uh, the black and white we're all hypocrites to some extent man it's (laughs) just it gets so nature of 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 how art has now become weaponized to such a degree even when it doesn't involve a kanye west and people are afraid to say i like that thing Again, if it's not actively harming someone else, well, then I think it's a bit fucking rich. However, I concede that in bringing out Marilyn Manson and baby, and again, Chris Brown is on here as well, but no one seems to be talking about that because no yeah. headlines have been stolen. I will concede, unfortunately, I wish, I just wish it didn't happen. But like, yeah, Kanye West is probably actively harming people with this decision. And I just desperately wish it didn't happen. He didn't need to do it. I don't know. I, I, I know why he did it, but it's just really fucking disappointing yeah okay Dave we we take a listen to um, the song in question but not the version that features um, those two artists which is the part two which by the way we should mention um, Kanye West did also put up an Instagram post on Sunday night saying Universal put my album out without my approval and they blocked Jail 2 this is the one that has the baby and Marilyn Manson on it from being on the album and yeah for people unfamiliar at the end of the record there's four tracks that have part twos um it would seem my reading of that was and everything kind of stayed online um universal denied that they didn't have approval it seemed to me to be a thing of like initially jail 2 was um grayed out you couldn't play the track when when i first got to it and then it came online so it seems like universal backed down and kanye got his wish of having the baby and marilyn manson version on it so just further kind of (laughs) making things complicated but the song in question the first version which features jay-z who was clearly (laughs) recording his verse not knowing any of this would go down and is doing his whole like oh told kanye to put his red cap away and you know i'm bringing him home and the throne's back and like this is the kind of victorious everyone loves kanye again song this is jail will we take a little listen to it and we'll get into discussing the music Yeah, 
Yeah, I um, I really love this song, which again makes the existence of the part two all the more problematic. Um, and again, I've seen people like people online have been like, "There's some drums at the end of this track. There's very little drums throughout the record, which is a problem, I think." And people have done like have done their own edits of this. And again, you can't say Kanye hasn't brought that on himself. But they've done edits of this where like the drums are throughout the whole song, which you know is a bit of fun. But I actually think that this is one of the better start to finish songs on the album, with the exception of yet another. And Craig mentioned it, but yet another, just unbelievably bad Jay-Z verse. I mean, there was a comment on Stereogums, I think their news story when it broke or whatever, that it's out. And someone said in the comments, it sounds like Kanye has risen Jay-Z from a deep sleep at three in the morning and like stuck a mic in his face. Jay-Z, like, I, I just, I can't get over it. I mean, like, it's shocking. It's shocking just how bad, and, and there's a moment in it when he kind of has a, <laughs> and it's like, you don't have the right to be smug on this verse. It's so bad. I wasn't even sure if he was being smug or just the way it's so it's poor. Mike, you can hear like the saliva in his mouth He's as well. Clipping, at points. It's just like he, you know, recorded it hours before. Um, I think the second listening party. It's the second or first. Who even knows anymore? But he clearly just rocked up to a locker room and Kanye was like, here's your mic, Jay. Good to see you again, old friend. <laughs> I'm imagining put his hand on his shoulder and just Jay had to rap there and then because it was awkward because it sounds like that. Um, and it didn't make me excited for a new Throne album, but I'm sure no. the beats would be great. Because, no, God, no. Yeah. You know. That day is kind of past, I think. Um Yeah. Yeah, so okay. that's the opener after um, the a Donda little kind chance. of Donda, yeah, chant, a kind of incantation, just a repetition of her name, which we heard at the start. And we're off and running into 27 tracks, um, four of which are part twos, which led me to think that, like, oh, I don't even know if this is the sequencing Kanye wanted. It's sprawling. There's a lot to unpack. Um, Dave, you were saying you've been listening to this a huge amount. I've been listening to this a huge amount as well. It has not uh, prevented me from doing my five listens, my patented thing. Um, I will say last time we um, reviewed a Kanye Records, Jesus is King, I said it was the first time I didn't find Kanye compelling. <laughs> um, I, I'm finding him compelling at the moment. Um, I'm finding, you know, plenty to criticize. But yeah, Shorn of the context, I think, around this record, just purely in the last week. Um, from a few listens through initially, it felt like a super generous listen. And on its own merits, to be very John Giles about it, I was hearing, I did I did kind of skim true reviews. I was hearing a clear disparity between the general quality here, and there's problems with it, and I'll get to that, and we'll, we'll both get to that, and the kind of throw it in the trash reactions from a lot of people. It just seemed very hard for people to get their teeth into the actual criticism of the music because there's not a huge amount of controversial stuff in terms of the content of the record. And there's a lot of like still the gospel stuff remains. And um, a lot of it seems quite kind of finished. And I think a lot of people were like, there's a lot to unpack here. How do I do this without having a huge amount of time to spend on it? Um, so maybe I'll cobble together what other people are saying and say the fact there's a lot to unpack is the problem. So it's shoddy work. Do you know what I mean? But the one thing just before I passed to you, I did notice from some of the reviews was that they were all kind of like, there's definite gems here. Some people were even saying, you know, there's career highlights on this thing. Um, so salvage these couple of tracks and then the rest worthless. And I noticed that 
they were all different tracks <laughs> from review to review. There was not outside <laughs> of, let me scroll down to television, which has the, um, sadly no longer with us pop smoke. And it's just a, a very generic piano loop interlude that probably shouldn't have been there. I think I saw nearly every track bar, maybe some of the party ones mentioned as being a standout from plenty of esteemed critics, which just led me to believe that there is stuff on offer here. Flawed though it is. Yeah, no, well, there are. I mean, like, this is the thing. And, like, it's, there is definitely some crossover, I think, with people probably agreeing that, like, say, Jesus Lord, for example, which has an incredible J Electronica verse and is just an unbelievable adventure, I guess, um, mm-hmm. is one of the best things he's done for a while. Uh, actually, I was, um, when I, when I came out on Sunday, and I was literally like, I was out for a walk, I was just going to go to the shop. And then literally like, uh, Fanula Jones, shout out to the Bandwagons podcast, by the way, which also had yep. me on this week as their official Nine Snails correspondent for their Halsey episode. That was a bit of fun. Uh, and shout out to a friend of the show, Kira Halpin, both of whom messaged me simultaneously with Donda is out. And I was like, what the fuck? Um, and so I, my, my walk became a longer walk, especially when I saw the runtime. And again, it was like, there's, a, there's an adrenaline rush there when you're like, it's finally happening. I'm... I'm walking down the street listening to the Kanye West album. These these are moments you remember, uh, for for better or for worse. And uh, I put up an Instagram story just being like, remain calm or whatever. And for those I love, uh, the amazing for those I love, Dave Balfe, responded to me and said, had to cancel my plans for the day, which I absolutely adore. Uh, yeah. And we kind of got to talking about it. And he reckons uh, Jesus Lord is a career-defining track. He said, that's what I've felt since the live streams for the listening party. Um, he certainly I, we didn't get into it too much I actually asked him if he, if he wanted to join us for the review but unfortunately he was unavailable uh, don't worry he's very much on the side of I wish Marilyn Manson wasn't involved of course um, and from his point of view and I hope I, I hope I can quote him here he said I still rate Kanye as the greatest living artist and I honestly don't believe it's debatable which is very interesting because I think a lot of people are off the train um, and again understandably so he makes it difficult as for the songs as for individual moments and gems and such there are and like of course, it's unavoidable to say that like an hour and 48 minute long album is too long. And like, it's funny because like, I'm Mr. 10 track and Mr. Try and keep it under 40 minutes if you can. I will say um, I've listened to this a lot and I think it moves f- pretty fast. It doesn't feel like sitting down to watch an hour and 48 minute long film. It just kind of yeah. it's there. Um, but I, I, I did find myself like doing like a an abridged version, like a Craig life of pablo rip-up style i'm working on my chop yeah and that comes in at about an hour maybe so when i'm saying yeah. shorter, like you're still looking at an hour because honestly like i mean like if, if i can like do you have do you have moon there can, can you play moon yeah let's let's have a bit of moon um uh, people should brace themselves for this because it's extremely beautiful I'm ashamed, hated what I would see, and nobody knows. So I go. So that's Moon. Uh, Kid Cudi's on there. Heaven sent. And uh, who is the other singer on that one, Craig? Sorry, I can never remember the name. John Tolliver, I Tolliver, believe. Tolliver, yeah, that's it. I will say, um, Cudi was removed from the version on the third listening party, and I had a real like Mourinho ripping off the headphones in disgust <laughs> moment of like the Manson stuff, of course, and I didn't even see those, you know, 
sections as video i saw the story and then i just saw someone mentioning and cuddy's gone from moon and i'm just like oh my god we're just in absolute hell here he took push a t off the song donda and it should be known yeah, as well hasn't like, you been know, put back in it should be known that like the record is called donda ostensibly meant to be a tribute to his late mother she only really pops up like once maybe twice in terms of archive uh like audio and like yeah. again you know this is a very very male heavy record lots and lots of male features there's a few women but not that many and ordinarily i think on a Kanye album like that wouldn't be like an, a, a huge headline but i, I think because thematically i don't know what this album is supposed to be that's one of the things i've written in my many bullet points is that like i think you can look at all the other albums you look at almost everyone he's done and you can see a theme you can see a very uh, obvious narrative even when he gets it quote-unquote wrong and as they become more and more sprawling i mean obviously like i've said a million times life pablo is it, for me is like his id on fire but it works because of that reason even if it did begin to unlock ill discipline uh yay is clearly about being bipolar and the record itself is bipolar um jesus is king his tribute to gospel even though it doesn't quite work at all uh and now donda which on paper should be uh centered around his mom he's been talking about it forever it's 27 tracks yeah. i don't quite know what he's going uh, for previous, narratively previous versions on, on at listening parties have featured more of her clips and being kind of woven throughout so you got a sense of her presence more but i think this is um a symptom of the kind of album being in progress quite publicly over such a long period of time and his thematic sense changing um midway through the whole summer it seemed like it would be about his kind of his own family at the moment disintegrating um tracks about that kind of stuff disappeared after he seemed to get married to kim kardashian again at the you know towards the end of the last listening party after setting himself on fire and you know all kind of stagey but it seems like they're supporting each other and working things through so yeah it's a bit about his family it's a bit like life of pablo meets the gospel thing because the sunday sessions vibe is still there i think this is a kind of an improvement on what he was going for in terms of jesus as king in that regard but i agree narratively it's like it's all over the place and i think Again, I'm I'm kind of thinking of like, as I'm working through my shop, Did do, does he want it to be this running order? The presence of the part twos at the end means that in my head, I can see a clear true line of like, you could almost bookend this where it opens with the influence of his mother and, you know, her talking about generations gone by. And, you know, it's, it's you know, he mentions his mother and his mother is speaking, but she's talking about him and it's about the, you know, impact she had on his life. And it's kind of book ended then at the end, possibly with the other major female figure in his life, Kim, and him getting, you know, more holistic sounds and maybe some hope for a reunion with his family and working through things. And in the middle, you might have this kind of almost descent into hell. Um, but because you've got like part twos at the end, then you get like jail part two rocking up at the end and you're like, oh, okay, I thought he'd moved through that because in the listening party, he kind of gets through that kind of you know demonic phase and has a rebirth you don't get you get rebirths and then delves back in and it's just very muddled will we maybe have a listen to one track praise god just because i think it has a small sample of donda speaking and i think it just shows a a clear point where it's almost like she's giving her guidance and then sonically we're hearing a descent into um more hellish territory i guess even if you are not ready for the day 
It cannot always be night. Sir, fix I do work. work. Six I'm like Mike. He's out of sight. Woo, you done got me pipe. You man like I. Six out the spot. So yeah, like Travis got on that, it's very Travis in terms of that kind of nocturnal sound. And I think he does a lot narratively with, with this is an album of synths and some of them sound demonic and some of them sound like they're on, you know, the God frequency 432 or whatever. It's just like they're shimmering and it's like he's, the, you know, the whole record is elevating and it fluctuates between those things and they sit side by side quite a lot of the time. And it's quite remarkable because lyrically... It's hard to put your finger on. I don't think he's making a kind of a clear point. I don't think there is a big takeaway. It's just kind of like, here I am in all my messiness and my multifacetedness. And I think maybe to go, well, that's the point of record is a bit of a cop out. I think it's it's the editing process. I think there is a stronger statement to be made based on the quality of some of this material. So um, you mentioned Moon earlier on that Cudi was taken off of it. Obviously, he's there in the final mix. Is there is there more of him that I'm missing out? Because I haven't, like, I didn't. I, I deliberately didn't watch the listening parties, check them out. I wanted to get the finished or as close to final product as possible. So I haven't gone on that journey. I like that. I know you have and many others have gone on. And I guess maybe that helps with a wider question for people who might want to know. Uh in summary, Craig, like with like in terms of listening parties versus the final album that we have at the moment, which could still change, um, how much of a difference is there? Do you think, and or or was it all one big sprawling visual continuous movement narrative with adding new sets, new characters, new people? You mentioned the Kim Kardashian thing as well. Uh, keeping track of this like requires a fucking instruction manual, of course. Yeah, it's, you know what, it's not huge. It's kind of verses here and there. Like Cuddy was on um, Remote Control, um, I believe, with Young Tug, who kind of steals the show. As a lot of the, the guest spots on this are, by and large, fantastic. And there is a lot of stealing of Kanye's limelight and spotlight, which I guess is what he might have wanted, but maybe says something about the quality of his rapping at this point. Um, but yeah, that aside, I, I think this was Cuddy's one contribution musically a lot of it is quite faithful I do think it is that narrative flow that we saw at the listening parties like he was clearly that was in mind and what we're presented with here is like I think the Pitchfork review said it was like a data dump of just like here's everything I've been working on you take it now I'm also releasing this stem player um, like talking to Andrew Duffy about that point about the drums uh, just being left at the end of jail I kind of made the crack of like oh, he's just doing that because now people can just use the stem player to add the drums to the rest of the track, <laughs> which is like, I don't know if he's that cynic. Okay, yeah, he's he's hugely cynical. But why would he want to know. give up so much control? I mean, like that's like, it, it, it's probably like, again, I mean, like, like we're mostly on, on Kanye's side. We defend him and there has been some really horrible, gleaming hot knives out this week as there always is when a Kanye record comes out. Like I said, I went back to listen to our Yay review and Cole Morrigan, our former co-host, came up with his Kanye coefficient on that episode where he was yeah. making the point that for a long time, Kanye was pissing people off to such a degree, but the, the work was so strong that people had been waiting. They'd been lying in wait for him to fuck up or make a substandard album. It looked like he did that, and that gave people carte blanche to essentially come down on him. 
it's kind of been that way for a while now. And even with this one, like people have dismissed it when they weren't even halfway through. And I understand why. Um, although I do think that the gems are here and they are very, very strong. I think he has made some genuine... There, there are some genuinely beautiful moments on this record. But like, um, essentially, <sighs> I mean... I I think it w- one thing that would be fair to criticize or criticize him on is that he's a control freak, right? And thus, the notion of him releasing a stem player for two hundred dollars to encourage people to just fuck with his thing is—I mean, maybe it's the most avant-garde thing he's done in a while, but it's genuinely kind of shocking because it's like, well, I would have thought that if you can't like the quality control has been off for so long now and the, the yeah. like the, the the way that these things are packaged and formed and quote unquote finished that that just opens up a whole other level of like i don't know what he's trying to do with music anymore i mean you know whether 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 or not he's a great rapper he was always the guy when it came to production and beats and I don't mind, like, like people have attacked this record for, like, having, like, substandard beats or no beats at all. It can be wallpaper at times, but... And again, we had top five drumming songs on the show last week. I'm a lapsed drummer. I wasn't crying out for it. I mean, I would certainly welcome it, but I actually wasn't... That wasn't a big lack for me, but it has been for an awful lot of the reviews I've seen. I think that's one of the points people are just... It's an easy dig, <laughs> to be honest. The Pitchfork's um, five takeaways after they kind of went through um, the lack of, and quite rightly, the lack of present women on the record, the next point was like, yeah, where are the drums? And the point was made that, um, you know, back in the day, Kanye was known for his almost virtuosic uh, virtuosic ability to um, program drums. And it's like, that's actually always been seen as his Achilles heel. He, uh, you know, said himself he could never quite get them right. Um, I think... The movement of popular hip hop towards more spacey beats and having negative space. And again, you know, maybe the influence of Frank Ocean. A lot of this to me sounded like it could be like an endless vibe of just and maybe Blonde as well, stripping back the drums, just letting the space do its thing. Um. So, yeah, Um. I think the addition, there was enough of an addition of drums that I was the same. I didn't feel the loss of them. Um, it was more the general, like, te- we're not going to get into, like, you know, fragments of sound popping up or, again, Jay-Z's saliva or any of that or um, the jarring slapdash cutouts. No fadeouts, remember that? Like, you know, he said that and it became a meme. So I guess now he can just do that. And it, it all feeds into this thing of, like, there being a lot of... Uh, I should do that over, but no, I'm a genius. It's meant to be like that. You know, we don't have time. Let's keep it moving. It's all genius. And I think a lot of that glosses over the subpar kind of technical aspects because melodically, I think he's on point. I actually think he um, expresses himself better even lyrically now when he's singing. His his singing is like a really strong point to this point, whereas his, run, his, his, um, his kind of punched in rap bars are... He has moments where he seems engaged and sometimes if he's with another quality person, he steps up to the mark. But by and large, there's kind of some, yet again, kind of embarrassing bars and you're not here for him to be one of the great rappers. There's plenty of those around him. I mean, the locks on Jesus Lord are just phenomenal. You get three verses there at the end of the Jesus Lord part two, should I say, which should be the main version, (laughs) which ends the album and I think ends it as... It was another song that made me cry, by the way. Um, same as yourself. Like, I went for a run with that on, and I was just like, I am in bits listening to this song. Yeah. This is... <laughs> Come to Life as well, which is, like, it's very messy in terms of, like, it, it is quite 
it's one of the most emo songs he's ever done it is clumsy the lyrics are very on the nose but there's something about it there's incredible spirit and heart in it and it got right under my fucking skin man and i was in bits and again i was like for all of the problems and they are there of course there's a litany of them i'm just like this guy still makes he still affects me like you know and I don't know. I mean, like, I guess it's going to the head time, isn't it? It's like, did you, do you like this album? Would you recommend it? Does it work? Does it fucking work? I mean, like, it's because to me, I'm like, like, it's, it's, there's a, and I hate this criticism, but it is the criticism of there's a great album in here. You know, there is a great album in here, but it's, it's, it's so buried. It's so hard to grasp onto what is here i find even though i'm not there's not like i I wouldn't pick out a lot of clunkers on it necessarily but like it's so strange to go from the last two albums which just felt so unfinished so short so nothing in a lot of ways even though there's highlights on there as well but this is now i mean like the the phrase data dump isn't very elegant but it is accurate and i just wonder if you know like i always talk about having a physical reaction to albums and to music and i had that here and there on this one but as a whole it's as kind of you know the the album artwork is just a black tile and this does feel like kind of just like the netherworld or something yeah it does and to your point of the stem player with the black cover i've seen there's been so many like you know fan-made album art that you're just like this would have been phenomenal and again he's just surrendering he's just kind of like have at it this is kind of uh, this interactive thing which was the point that was made, I guess, a bit with The Life of Pablo, and it's like this living album, which was just him, like, fixing stuff on <laughs> Fixed Wolves. I never bought into that. And apart from doing my kind of chopped version, which was quite a bit shorter, and I thought it was quite strong, um, I yeah, I didn't wholly buy into this. I'm, I'm buying into it more this time around because I think... I think overall the quality is stronger. Like, I, I think this is maybe... This has his best stuff since Jesus. <laughs> I actually, I think that it's way better than Yay. It's way better than Jesus is King. It's at least on a par with Life of Pablo. And I think there's more dark metaphysical weirdness going on on this record than there was on Pablo. Um, yeah, it is kind of compelling me. I keep going back to it. I keep playing around with it. Just still those moments popping up pockets of... You know, the Donda track then in to keep my spirit alive and you've got the Griselda bunch jumping up and it's just joyous and you're like, this makes me feel great. And as I said, you know, Jesus Lord, where you're just like, Jay Electronica's, you know, unleashing one of the best verses of the year. And I can't help but say it. Yeah, I think this might be his best work since Jesus for all the problems um, it has. Let's uh let's take a listen to Jesus Lord there uh, as we as yeah, we move into the, as we move into the wrap up I swear. <laughs> Been through a lot of things. Tell me if you know someone that needs Sitting by myself, I'm just thinking about all I've been through. I wish I was dreaming. Man, it's hard to be an angel when you're surrounded by demons. I watch so many people leave. I see them changed by the season. That's mama's season, and God got you. The devil's watching. He just so, um, yeah, um, I, every time it comes on, I get goosebumps when it starts because I, I know that it's a journey. Uh, but just real quick for the record, not to get too technical again in our breakdowns and stuff, but like. Part is it part two for you? Like if you had to pick one or the other, you pick you're, you're going part yeah, two, because which, you've which, got which the has locks. three ex, three extra verses. Yeah, so it's what eleven. I think it's the longest 11 ever and a half. Kanye song. 
11 and a half. I yeah. mean, for Sheik, Styles P and J- Jada Kiss, every verse is so great. And thematically, it's great. And I think it should be the final track, maybe. Or maybe barring some of like Come to Life or No Child Left Behind, where he's having that redemptive moment himself and that angelic kind of rapture moment. I think it's a, yeah, I think it should be part two. I think all 11 minutes are essential. The thing that was stopping me getting to doing notes on all of these tracks and listening to it as much as I wanted to was, was I kept having playing to sleep, Jesus Lord. <laughs> was wait, sorry, to sleep. Like just every time I stick on Jesus Lord, just to like maybe write down a bar or something, there's some great Jada Kiss lines that I was just like, oh, that might sum up the, or the Styles P line of like, got coke from Jesus, now I'm talking to Jesus, which I'm just like, well, that kind of sums up this entire record. <laughs> it's kind of, you know, the sense of spirituality and... Biblically, it doesn't really hold what, you know, all of it is very shoddy in that regard. Um, But it's magnetic. That song in particular, overall, I keep going back to it. And it's actually kind of hard to say because it would be so easy for this to be a heap of rubbish. And I could just be like, yeah, he's, you know, done it this time and huge fan. But I think he's lost his way artistically. I think the cohesion isn't here. But he still got it artistically. I can't deny it. I'd be lying if I said he didn't. A lot of people wouldn't agree with you, though, which I find interesting. And I understand it as well. I understand all the arguments against. And it's funny because, like, I'm, again, the stuff that you grapple with about this where, um, and real quick, just to sidebar, like, in terms of moments that kind of get you, there's a, there's a moment during Come to Life when he just, like, says ultra, ultra light beam. And just the way he says it and what it means and the context and the callback and what it means now. And the fact is, like, on that track, you're like, this is the most holistic, pure Kanye West. And then, of course, two or three tracks later, Marilyn Manson pops up and it's like, I don't know what to do with this. You're challenging me in a way that I find to be extremely difficult. And again, I don't want to speak for anybody, but like, there are presumably Kanye fans in the world who will have a very, a much more horrific reaction based on their own People life experiences. People are completely done with him. That would have been defending him two weeks ago, which I yeah. totally understand. Which I totally understand as well. And and this is the thing. And it's like, when I say grappling, I mean, I ask myself a question. If this was your friend, Dave, you know, not just your pretend friend, the musical genius who has like been there for you for years. Um, if, but if this was a real friend of yours and they were palling around with those guys. Shout out to David Topley. <laughs> <laughs> the wonderful, wholesome David Topley. But if it's if you knew him personally, I mean, could you could you support this? Could you defend this? Uh, like, I think the answer would be no. You'd certainly have to have a word. So why am I making allowances and excuses for someone who I don't even know? Why am I being hypocritical? And I recognize that I am. I think it goes back to something I said earlier on. And this is not by no means a defense or a justification. I'm not looking to exonerate Kanye or myself. I am looking to examine, but I think it is because I think I am selfish. I think I'm being selfish. I think I want this to work. You said without complications earlier. I thought that was a very mm. quick, far way of putting it. I, I like. I I want this to work. I want Kanye to work. I want him to be happy. Uh, I don't think he is happy, but I want him to be happy. I want him to be as good as he's been before. I think he's put out a record that is genuinely fascinating, incredibly interesting, and he kind of torpedoed it and sabotaged it himself with one of his final creative choices, which was just so wrong. It was just such a wrong thing to do. And there's just no getting around that. There's just no getting around that. Like it is, it's unacceptable and it exists. And I don't know what to do with that. There's probably an obvious thing to do with that, which is to not engage. 
but I am here engaging with it and I will continue to do so. I know that I will. And I know that this doesn't necessarily make me a good person, quote unquote, but ultimately that's just kind of one of my many reads I've had with the whole thing, which has been a lot of different reads, a lot of different kind of pathways to go down. I don't know how many of those pathways have been have been rewarding. I think a lot of them may have not been rewarding, and yet here I still am. In a, in, in, in a somehow fucked, like, incredibly shoddy way on my own behalf to try and wrap this up. Um, I mean, first of all, I find attaching a score to this to be fairly futile. Gun to the head, it's a seven. Um, although I recognise there might be some generosity on my part with that one, based on years of experience of just, you know, falling in love with his music. Um, as much as I am with him, and I still am with him, there comes a point when you don't want to find the masterpiece. You want the masterpiece to find you. It's in there. I know that it is. Uh, it's not fully here, but he did make me cry. I still care, um, and I still wish, just to un- underline it further, that he didn't involve the people he has. And like I say, I recognize myself in just my hypocrisy in that, and I'll live with it. Greg, over to you. Yeah, I think, you know, there. it's kind of what could have been, uh, even just creatively and artistically, because I think based on the material here and even again the content of it and what he's saying and it's you know not that provocative i think if he you know adds more jay or they go on the kind of he goes on the apology tour and there's talk more of his mother and there's none of this shock tactic stuff and he releases a concise version of the best stuff on this you are seeing reviews where it's four and five stars across the board and he's back and he's always been a Jesus and he's always been a Jesus, Jesus Christ. He's always been a genius and um, he just lost his way, but we're left with this 27 tracks. Uh, so it's not an eight or a nine or a 10. Um, I'm enjoying the fruits of it as if it's an eight record, but I think because of the way it's been released and the stuff put at the end and the jumble of the track list that's not letting me find that narrative without putting the work in, Dave, as you were saying. Um, again, like Jail Part 2 popping up a track 24 when you've gone through that redemption. It's knocking it down for me. It's a 7. I'm feeling a 7, to paraphrase Kanye a couple of years ago when it was just simple, humble Donald Trump controversy. Wow. <laughs> How far we've come. Christ, Donda, um, it's happened. <laughs> Donda has happened, and so has our review. And ultimately, like it's 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 such a strange one because, like, I mean, obviously, like <laughs> I'm thinking back to the start of this episode and Tapley's incredible Sky Sports News blockbuster music. Um, I mean, we wanted, you know, we wanted nothing more than to go in with like this kind of spirited full of life full of love and like again there is spirit there is life and there is love on this thing it's just so i don't know it's so barbed or something in 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 the wrong ways i wonder even if like if 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 he didn't do that one thing if he didn't involve those people would this even be a conversation would we be having a great time i don't know Uh, all i know is that it has been extremely difficult i think in lots of ways super challenging but I think the rewards are here, and I do think people should listen to it. But again, completely understand, without question, why and if somebody would not want to go fucking near it. So yeah, Donda baby, it has happened, and it exists. I don't know if we'll still be listening to it in a year. That's been kind of a conversation people have been having. Uh, to me, again, that was one of those kind of rapid fire, personality-based, agenda-based things. I think I absolutely will be. 
I, I may yeah. just have to, yeah, I may just have to make some selective edits because, like, the longer I kind of sit with some of it, you know, that initial kind of just blind kind of, you know, accept the physicality of this, it, like, it did wear off. I do have a conscience, uh, and I think Kanye does as well, but I don't know where it is at the moment. Um, and I will say as well that, like, you know, for all of the fucking current context around him, I do maintain that he is an incredible artist who I don't think gets the respect that he deserves. And I and, and, and I know, like, you might say right now, well, he fucking doesn't deserve any. I think he does, but I also think he probably needs a serious fucking talking to. So that's the Donda Review, ain't Dad, Craig? No, that was a serious talking. Um, one of those reviews that we have sometimes where I'm kind of developing my opinion of things as we chat through it which is helpful i will of course continue the work on the official chop of donda uh want to hear your version of course i'm sure we'll all be comparing them it seems really frivolous at the moment but yeah no i think i'm going to spend a lot of time with this because again compelling in a way that jesus is king wasn't and i thought that's all i wanted but we got a whole lot more didn't we dave yeah, we did. We got more than we bargained for. And so did some of the listeners this week, but I hope it was enjoyable. Normal, quote-unquote normal service will resume next week. We'll have a top five for Drake you. album! <laughs> oh yeah, the Drake album. <laughs> Fucking hell. Certified lover boy. It's going to be like, it's going to be like two hours long, isn't it? Like, surely. Um, I know, um, yeah. I think it was, um, I often mention him on the show, cool guy, Colm Cahillane, uh, who works at House of Records. He put up a thing in the Not Nine Discord where he said... Imagine it was like three albums. Certified. Lover. Boy. And I was just like, oh Jesus. It's gonna be like fucking Is Boy him covering U2's debut album? Now that I would That'd listen to. Yeah. Absolutely. Are we doing the Drake album? I guess we're probably doing the Drake album, are we? Oh my god. Feels like it might be the big one. Woohoo! Okay, um, serious thank you to Sonic Architect David Tapley, who has oh, stepped in for the last couple of weeks and, and somehow sat here for the entire time listening to us talk about Kanye West. I don't know why, but he did it, and it's amazing. Tandem Felix is the band that he fronts. Please go check them out. They're fucking amazing. And of course, if you want to support the show, it's patreon.com slash noencore. We would greatly appreciate any support that you may want to offer us. Uh, we sound rather spent because we are. Um, but yeah, that's been No Encore for this week. Uh, there's no popcorn out. There's a Before the Encore out. All happening. Donda Baby. We've done it. We got through the end of it. I hope people are still listening to the show. And uh, yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to Craig's cut down. I'm going to work on my own. And again, so real quick, I guess in closing, Craig, three tracks for everyone to check out if they want to. Um, oh God, it's really tough. Definitely Jesus Lord. Definitely, I'm going to say Heaven and Hell. I think it's fantastic. I think people that like old school Kanye would like, um, believe what I say, which is the doo-wop Lauren Hill thing. It's just, it's the one time I think he sounds fully carefree on the record. So if you want the bliss of, you know, shorn of the context of everything, maybe check that out. But I could keep listening tracks and that's the problem, right? How about you? Uh, Jesus Lord come to life and moon if you want a good cry they'll get you there oh. and it might make you realise the sensitive side of Kanye which again he has fucked up like, I, I feel like I'm like I'm defending him in court this week so let's just move on and we'll move on to the end of the show my name is Dave Hanready this has been No Encore there will be No Encore and we're gonna go off and listen to the new Drake album so uh, wish us luck goodbye Dando.
Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.